Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all-important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. My next guest on the Sandro Forte podcast, and I've been very excited about this one for reasons you're about to understand, is Neil Meller. Neil is a former professional footballer, many of you will know the name already, who reached the very top of his game playing for Liverpool Football Club, notably scoring a stunning last-minute goal to beat Arsenal at Anfield, the stuff dreams are made of, unless, of course, you're a Manchester United fan like me. However, after suffering a career-ending knee injury, a sportsman's worst nightmare, of course, Neil sadly had to hang up his boots. But since his retirement, Neil has gone on to become a Sky Sports reporter, a pundit of Liverpool Football Club TV, and is part of several businesses within the world of sport. And we'll find out about some of those as we chat today. I am grateful, but also somewhat in awe. I did mention this to him at the start of the show before we went live, um, because he's a man of some, some talent, some experience, and I'm just a bang average podcaster. So he's going to put me to shame today. But Neil Meller, thank you very much indeed for joining us today, particularly since, you know, I, I go back, you know, I've seen him on telly, been watch you live in, in matches. So kind of my era. And uh, I'm really looking forward to the little bit of banter we're undoubtedly going to have during today's podcast. Well, thank you very much for having me. And thank you for that introduction. I want us to get on. Do you know what? I wish that goal, that memory for me for Liverpool was against Man United, but it wasn't. So we will get on, I'm sure. Well, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have mentioned it in your introduction if it had been against Manchester United, <laughs> obviously. Um, so for those people who don't have memories of Neil Mellor gracing the turf at Anfield, just a little bit of background and how you get into football and you know where you live and family upbringing, just so we kind of get a little bit of a picture of the CV. Yes. So for me, the background for me is, is mainly football. Uh, and the reason being is I was a professional football player. I was lucky enough to live that dream. But my dad was also a professional football player. So that was where the real passion, the why came from for me. Uh, like I say, I got to experience that dream. I've since gone on to, to stay in football, but in a media degree. So I um, I work on television, radio, I do written work as well, which I really, really enjoy. And I'm also a dad, a husband, and I've also got a dog. So I'm hoping the dog does not get involved at any point on this podcast. So we, I do live over in the Wirral, which is sort of between Liverpool and Chester. Yeah. And uh, I, I love the fact, I think you're probably one of the only guests, Neil, that's actually mentioned the fact you're a husband and a dad. And I, I think that's fantastic. Um, I, I'm, I'm not a husband, but I am a dad. Um, so we've we've had a little bit of a, we've given each other a bit of a ribbing about, you know, our respective allegiances to Liverpool and Manchester United, respectively. Uh, but it would be fair to say, sorry to start on a negative, rejected by Manchester City at the age of 16. I mean, back in the day, that was a tough one to take. Probably if you got rejected at Manchester City these days, you'd probably put that up there with the with the best of your achievements. But, yeah. you know, but but you bounce back. I think that's where I'm going with this particular question. Rejection at a young age, really tough to take. How do you deal with that? Yeah, well, well it's difficult. Of course, nobody wants to experience that rejection. And one thing I do now is the keynote speaking. And I talk about rejection within that talk. And many people have experienced rejection. You know, I'm talking about it perhaps from that football point of view. Somebody's stopping me 
Pat, fulfil my dream of being a professional football player, which was at Man City. But we've all been rejected by maybe boyfriends, girlfriends, maybe even jobs, whatever it may be. So sort of link it that way within the keynote talk. But at 16, I was devastated because I didn't think I would be rejected. I thought I was a good player. My, my passion, my love was football. And that's where I believed I was going to be fulfilling that dream of being a football player. So it came as a surprise. I was crying my eyes out. I remember my dad driving me away from, from the training ground at that time. And can I just say, I know Man City are a big team now. Man City were, were rubbish back then. They were in the third tier of English football. They, they were not this powerhouse that they are today. So it was um, it was tough to take. But but again, at that, that moment in time, I had a decision to make. Did I want to sort of feel sorry for myself? Did I want them to tell me that that was my career over I would never make it as a professional football player and sort of through the advice of my dad I thought no chance there's no way they're going to end my dream I'm going to be determined I'm going to be persistent and I'm going to get another opportunity so um, that was my mindset at that time and I talk about that in my keynote because we all experience difficult times uh, adversity disappointments rejection for me being one of them but we we all us have that decision to make. How do we react? How do we respond? How do we interpret that? So for me, that was me at 16. And I interpreted it in a way that three months later, I signed for the biggest football club in the world, which was Liverpool, as we can both agree on. At that moment, there's a pregnant pause in the podcast. <laughs> um, respectfully, I know you're a really great bloke and I'm sure we'll have a beer after this, but I'm going to have to disagree with that one. Probably at the time, at the time, they were definitely a powerhouse. So they're just, you know, there's a great example of, I love, I love the adjective you used to describe Manchester City, rubbish at the time. But, you know, um, one door closes, another one opens uh, and, and you walk through it and, you know, the rest is history, as they say. Um, any other, well, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the keynote um, presentations that you give, because, I mean, that's an important part of who you are and you bring a lot of value to audiences all around the country and indeed the world. So uh, we'll talk about that in a moment. But any other significant challenges that you faced during your career or in, or in life in general? And as a side question, has anyone ever told you you look like Stevie Gerrard? The better looking, <laughs> the better looking version, dare I say. Yeah, do you know what? I used to be a centre forward um, when I played professional football. And people would often remind me I look like Stephen Gerrard. Usually when I was in an attacking corner, I'd be stood by the goalkeeper and the fans behind the, the, the goal there in the crowd would be saying, uh, you're just a fat Stephen Gerrard. That was how they likened me to Stephen Gerrard. So that is a similarity. Um, he was a very successful player. I was fortunate enough to play with Stephen Gerrard, one of the best certainly I've ever played alongside. And I learned a lot from him. But yes, that was um, that was great. But but setbacks along the way. I think we all have challenging times and adversity. And it's sort of recognising the ability that we can overcome those, we can bounce back. And, and for me, that's something that I've certainly brought into my keynote speaking. So I've mentioned already the rejection, um, injuries as well as a huge part of, of my life when I was playing professional football, mistakes, you know, I've made mistakes. I'm sure many people have made mistakes as well, but it's it's about that response. And, and for me, whilst we do experience that adversity, I don't let adversity dictate my life. I make sure it's me who responds in a way that allows my life to continue. I've got two questions, uh, Neil, and I'm going to ask you this because I think you've lived both. Um, I think the first one is the enjoyment of success and how you avoid becoming complacent. And then the other one is adversity, as you mentioned, where you have to find something within yourself to pick yourself up. So at those two extremes, and of course they, they interact with each other day by day, as we know, 
Um, you can have the most amazing game, man of the match one day, and probably scoring an own goal down the other end the next. You know, so it can all turn around. But how do you avoid becoming complacent when things are going well? Which, you know, going back and, and giving great credit to the Liverpool side of the 70s and 80s, they just kept doing it. You know, it was like a machine. So how do you avoid complacency? And how, and, and by all means, introduce um, anything into this conversation that you bring out in your keynote speaking, because I want to talk about that some more in a minute. How do you avoid um, pulling the duvet over your head metaphorically when things are going badly? Because then the temptation is, I'll just wait until tomorrow and hopefully the problem's gone away. Yeah, we'll, we'll start with the, the good bit, the, the, the highs, uh, the success. Um, you know, when you do experience those, I call it yes moments absolutely brilliant to to enjoy um but, you know for me i liken it to, to when i shook the cops going a winning goal in front of the fans that was something i'd always dreamt of doing and then you get to experience it and you sort of stood there thinking i want this to last forever i want to stay here forever and just enjoy this moment and connect with the fans and connect with everybody around the world who is enjoying that moment with me as well and to avoid the complacency it's a case of i want more of that so how, so how do i want more of that well I'll, I want to be the best I can be every single day. Yes, the fans are here watching me now, but I know to get better, I've got to do it every day in training. And, and whatever the weather is, whether it's windy, rainy, I was going to say sunny, but it very rarely was sunny at Liverpool <laughs> at the training ground. I knew every day that I wanted to get better. I wanted to be the best that I could be so I, I could have more moments, more yes moments. So that was for me how I tried to avoid that complacency. Um, and, and then like we're saying about the disappointments, the setbacks, how do we sort of re respond? How do we react to that? I think for me, when I look at it, I think it's quite easy for us to, to sort of feel sorry for ourselves and, and to sulk and to moan, maybe to blame other people as well. Why has this happened to me? It, it was that person's fault. Um, but I've learned and I've created my own motto in the process to think about what I can do and not what I can't do. And for me, that was really, really important for me throughout my playing career because there's a lot of things you can't control and yet and yet you still think, well, well, I don't need to worry or waste my energy doing that. I just need to focus on what I can do. And, and the biggest um, experience for me of that was when I finished playing professional football. I don't know if we're going to touch on that or, or, or not, but it's my dream ended uh, playing professional football through injury. It was... It wasn't planned. It, it was a surprise to me. It was a hugely devastating time in my life at that time. It was before the age of 30. I didn't think it would happen that soon. I knew I, I would finish playing football eventually, but I didn't think it would happen so soon. So when it came about, I was absolutely devastated. As you can imagine, from the age of five, all I'd ever wanted to be was a professional football player. And I was living that dream. So for me... I'd lost the structure within my life. I'd lost the adulation from the fans. I'd lost the money, you know, that I was earning good money, that buzz of, of being a professional football player. So all those things gone, I chose to focus on, on what I could do. Okay, well, well, what can I do? I can focus on maybe a new dream, maybe a new challenge. And that was where my mindset went at one of the most difficult points in my life, which is what, what it was. So I focused, right, new dream. What do I want to do? I want to stay in football. I love football. I don't want to do coaching. I think for me, I want to focus on the media side of things. So I began a media degree and then I started pestering people within the world of media, the routes that I wanted to go down. It wasn't easy. There was rejection along the way. There was lots of no's, but that didn't put me off. Again, that mindset of thinking, well, I'm going to be determined. I'm going to be persistent. I'm not going to let 
50 no's stop me from getting where I want to. So eventually I, I did get to, to where I wanted to, that new dream of, um, of media, which is working on Sky Sports, working for Liverpool Football Club. And I love it. I absolutely love it. I, I love the fact that you reinvented yourself. And that was actually going to be my next question around the injury. You know, we always know that a sports person, particularly a footballer, that, you know, they have a they have a longevity in the game that spans, if they're lucky, maybe 14, 15 years as a professional athlete. Um, if you're lucky to get to 32, 33 and, you know, some of the supreme athletes like Ronaldo at the moment, you go go beyond that. But for most people, 14, 15 years, let's say. If it's cut short, you know, you're probably mentally thinking, well, I'm probably three years away from hanging up my boots. But then somebody takes those last three years away from you. Like you say, it must be very, very tough. But the fact that you found something within yourself to reinvent yourself, I mean, obviously lots for everyone to learn on the podcast today. What qualities do you think then, Neil, set you apart from others? And I know that's asking you to be very uh, immodest for a moment. Um, but there must be something about you that allowed you to transition from one place to another, because we're going to talk about transition in sport in a moment more generally. But what qualities do you have? You stand on stages now and, and you deliver fantastic keynote speeches to help people learn the same things that you learn as part of that transition. But what is it about you? Was it part of your upbringing? Is, was it a learned experience? Is it just a, do you know what, if I can't do it, no one else is going to do it for me? Where does, where does that kind of bloody minded determination come from can i be honest before yeah. this podcast i said give me one question that you're going to ask me and this was the question that i was sent over via email so i prepared an answer for it and the, and the answer is this i mean for me i am that sort of mentally focused person where i want to be determined i want to achieve something but i don't want to sort of come on here and start gloating about who i think i am so when i set up a social media company a few years ago I sent this question to a few really close friends of mine. I said, what qualities do I have? Because I want to know what you think as a friend, a close friend, th think of me. So here we go. Here's a little list that I've managed to scribble down in preparation for you. I love this. I love and this. If it's, if it's too exhausting, please stop me at any point. So <laughs> one of them was passionate and professional, natural, reliable, determined, dedicated, honest, punctual and well-prepared. So, so they were some of the things which my friends came back to me and said, this is the sort of person we believe you to be and the qualities that you have there. I want to agree with them all, um, but there you go. They were some of the ones that they, they came back well, with. Me. I, can, I can attest to the fact you're punctual. You, you joined uh, uh, the, the Sandro Forte podcast today, absolutely bang on time. So that's one of the boxes tick, Neil, for sure. And everything I know about you from our mutual uh, connections I think I can probably safely tick the others as well. Um, so with, with all of those in mind, um, the, the work that you're doing now as a speaker, because I want to touch on that, you know, why did that come about? Was it because you felt you had a message that you could deliver? Was it, you know, was it a commercial decision? What, what is it about that, that world? Because it's not the easiest thing in the, in, the, uh, in the world to do, to stand up on the stage or, you know, appear in front of a camera. And it's not as if you were someone who, with great respect, had... 20 years of media experience. You just picked yourself up off the floor, went off and did something, and, and here you are doing great things on TV um, and radio. So how, how did how did that process all come about? And are there any tips that you could give to others that not necessarily looking for a career in media, but just that whole, that whole transition piece? One of the tips and one of the things I had to go through 
to prepare myself to stand on the stage in front of 100 people, 200 people, however many it was, is to lie in an ice bath full of ice for two minutes and to prepare my mind and get my breathing ready for that shock, which is what it is to go onto a stage in front of 100, 200 strangers and, and to talk. So that was one tip I would go, I would give people, if you fancy that, that was something that really, really did help me with that breathing to prepare me for that really new, difficult um, environment, which is talking on a stage. But like you say, I've been in professional football. I've been in front of crowds all my life. I'm on television, which is in front of a huge audience. But to stand on a stage is something completely different and something that I'll be honest, I struggled with. When I first stood on stage, I had to talk for three minutes. And I was like, I was struggling to talk. I was struggling to breathe. I was struggling to c- connect with the audience there. And I was thinking, wow, this is really, really difficult. I'm not sure I can do this. But again, that persistence. And uh, and in the end, now I can comfortably stand on stage, whether it's 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, and engage in that conversation to deliver my keynote for, for the audience and, uh, and make sure that I do connect with them. But that process was one that came about because I wanted to challenge myself. I also wanted to give a little bit back in terms of saying, well, I've experienced things and, and if I can help other people, maybe overcome their own challenges, which I talk about resilience a lot within my keynote talk, then that's something that I really want to do. For me, a lot of ex-professional football players go down the route of after dinner, after dinner talking. And that that was never really something that interested me. It was always the sort of keynote where I could really stand on the stage, control that that space and engage in different ways, educational, motivational, the odd little bit of humour. I always try and get one laugh out of the crowd. Someone will will laugh eventually at one of my uh, lighthearted jokes. So I really enjoy that environment. And and I've been to a variety of different companies, different schools. And uh, and that's something that I'm enjoying at this stage of my life. I'm just reflecting on what you said just a moment ago about getting into an ice bath uh, and focus on your breathing. How on earth do you breathe when you're in an ice bath for two minutes? I don't have to hold my breath. Um, <laughs> and the other thing to say is that, you know, everything I've seen of you on, on TV, you know, you just seem such a natural, such a consummate professional. I think back to when Gary Neville, for example, started his media career. I mean, the, probably I've never seen anyone so wooden, but I mean, okay, over time he's, you know, he's learned his trade and he's, he now does very, very well. Um, just talk to me about the, the keynote speaking and that, you know, you mentioned the word resilience. Uh, you know, typically, what are you taking audiences through in this journey? And I suppose, you know, we've already started to understand on the podcast today, Neil, that, you know, you are a very determined, resilient, all those lovely adjectives that have been used to describe you um, and well-deserved they are as well. But how do you teach someone else to be resilient? How do you motivate somebody else? I mean, it's the, it's the age old question, isn't it? How do you how do you go about that that process when you're connecting with audiences? I, I take them on a, a little journey. You know, I start it, and, and one thing I have to say with Makino is it doesn't matter if you like football or not. You can still engage. You can still connect with what I have to talk about. And, and after certain talks, which I have um, delivered. It's great to hear people say, Do you know, what? I don't even like football. I don't even like Liverpool, but I really connected with what you were saying there. So, so that's one of the things that I aim to do. I take them on a journey. I sort of talk about resilience, the meaning, about some of the things which I've experienced. And then I start, start tapping into how do they how do they relate some of their setbacks, their disappointments, their adversity. 
And some of the beliefs, do they think about this? Do they think about that? And I get them thinking in ways that can make a difference when they do experience that challenging bit of adversity that will come along. Because like I say, Makino, there's no limit to how much suffering we get to experience in life. We don't know when it's going to come along. But what we can do is we can control how we react, how we respond, how we interpret those difficult situations to enable it for us to be resilient and to have the positive outcomes rather than having the negative outcomes and suffering in more ways from that adversity. I think the thing, one of the things that stands out on your CV for me, Neil, is the fact that you know, we talk about the word transition a few times already, but I'll use it again, how you've moved from sport almost seamlessly into a new career. But I think statistically, I'm right in saying that something like 60 plus percent of footballers end up bankrupt within five years of retiring. No plan for retirement, live in a bubble. Uh, The reason I'm asking you this question now is because there's a lot of business people out there that, you know, may sell up their business. I I have a a very good friend of mine who two years ago was given the opportunity to sell his business for an extraordinary amount of money. He did in the end, but it was a very, very difficult mental, emotional process for him to go through because he'd lived that business man and boy for 30 years. And the thought of it all ending was something he really struggled with. So um, what advice would you give to people to prepare for retirement, whether it's forced upon you as it was with you, or it's just a day that you know is coming. And and this isn't just directed to sports people, it's directed to people in general, because lots of people kind of get to a point in their life and they metaphorically fall off the cliff because there is no plan. So with the benefit of hindsight, what advice would you give to people to prepare for the next stage in their life, life, sport, business generally? Yeah, um, well, well, I'm a big believer in investing in ourselves. You know, some people call it sacrifices, but I'm a big believer in the investment in yourself to be the best that you can be. And, and for me, it's the motto that I follow all along in my life now, which is I think about what I can do and not what I can't do. So people who, let's talk about that transition, people who are coming out of whether it's football, whether it's work environment, whatever it may be, people maybe tending to think about what they can't do anymore well I, I can't I can't do what I used to do I, I, I can't engage with those people I can't be, be around my friends in that way I can't have that same structure in my life and the more people focus about what they can't do and they don't have in their life anymore the more the negative outcomes will, will continue to spiral certainly in my opinion so that's why I, I believe in focusing on what you can do okay well what you can do is you can achieve you can succeed at something new you, you can create whatever dream you want and focus on that and making a success of that rather than thinking about other things you can't do and it may be hard to do that. Of course, it's hard to do that. It's difficult. Um, but to focus on what you can do, I believe we'll have stronger and more positive outcomes. You've got a lot of experience now, Neil, and not just your sporting career, but working in the world of business. Do you think there are similarities between success in sport and success in business? Is there a parallel? Do you need particular qualities? I mean, you've touched on a few, obviously, so I don't, don't want to ask you the same question twice. But do you see obvious parallels between success in one versus success in another yeah i think so i, th- I really do believe the mindset is, is such a powerful thing um you know you talk about you think about the most successful men and women in sport the most successful men and women in business and and for me the biggest thing is is that mindset it's that reaction it's that response it's how they interpret certain things and to be successful in life i'm a huge huge believer in that i mean whatever organization we're involved in 
whatever team we're involved in, we all have a part to play. We know that. But there will be setbacks and it's how you respond to that. And, and that's why, for me, I'm a huge believer in that response, that reaction, which then enables you to have that success. And, and you, there's countless examples. You know, I can talk about a mistake that I've made, but I remember, for example, talking about Stephen Gerrard. We were both sent off in a football match once. And I was sat there thinking, oh, no, I'm never going to play for Liverpool again. And he sat next to me. And I always remember what he said. He put his arm around me and said, don't worry about it. Mistakes happen. Don't dwell on it there'll be better times ahead. And again, it's that mindset of he'd been sent off and I'd been sent off. I'm thinking my career's ended. He's thinking, no, don't dwell on it. There's better times ahead. And it's that sort of mindset for me, why people, which makes people successful and perhaps others that, that aren't. Not only have you had a very successful career playing for Liverpool Football Club in sport and, and with all the work you're doing now in business, you also give of yourself to help other people with that transition from sport generally into the world of business, just as you've done uh, through your work with Switch the Play. Um, how did you get involved in that? You know, what do you do currently? Um, and just tell us just briefly a little bit about Switch the Play and what it stands for. Yeah, Switch the Play. Uh, a good friend of mine, Leon Lloyd, is, is involved with the organisation there. And it's something that obviously he comes from a rugby background um, and it's close to the heart because it helps the next generation of athletes, you know, it doesn't matter what sport they're involved in, learn from ones before it. Um, and I've, I've done certain exercises, certain mastermind classes with uh, Switch to Play with Premier League clubs and younger players and just helping them understand about certainly life after after sport, after a, a elite level uh, sport. Uh, how do we connect with you? I know you're a bit of a, I know you're quite popular on social media. I, I'm going to have to have a quiet word with you about how you achieve things like that. Uh, how do we connect with you? If you want to check Neil Meller out and find out about your keynotes and switch the play and dare I say even uh, in a weak moment, think about uh, connecting in some roundabout way with Liverpool Football Club. How, how, do we, how do we connect with Neil Meller on social media? Is there a website? Have you written a book? Are you writing a book? So, because uh, it sounds to me as if you've got a book in you, even if you haven't already done one. There is a book that's certainly in the pipeline. Um, I'm not sure what the average is for a book to be created, but certainly one is in the process at the moment as we speak, yes. Um, but on the internet, you may well see details about myself. You won't get my home address. You won't get my phone number, but I can give you my Twitter handle, which is neilmeller 33 I have several followers on there, which... I follow back and I can interact there. Instagram, the same. It's nmeller33. I don't quite have as big a following on there. I'm, I'm building that one up, hoping that that can uh, rival Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn, which I'm sure a lot of people are as well. That That's a very good connection tool as well. And I have my own website as well, which is www.neilmeller.com. So uh, they're the various different ways, which if you do want to get in touch with me, they are probably the best routes. Don't be knocking on my front door because I won't answer it. Well, I'll do your deal. Um, I'll follow you on Instagram. You follow me on Twitter and vice versa, because I've got quite a few Instagram followers, but not very many Twitter followers. So I reckon we can <laughs> we can strike a we can yeah. strike a deal here, uh, Neil. Um, and I probably will be knocking on your door one of these days because we need to go out and have a beer and talk all things football. Um, final question, and I mean I can't believe that thirty minutes has come and gone in the blink of an eye. But the final question, which you probably know, we ask all of our guests, and I can't think of anyone better to ask this question than to you. I know you've got a 15 year old daughter. Uh, you refer to yourself very proudly as a dad, which is great. But let's imagine daughter, your daughter comes up to you one day and says, right, you know, dad, I'm, 
I've stood back and watched you achieve all these great things in sport and business and your keynotes and the book you're writing and all the other great things you stand for and that lovely list of adjectives that your friends describe you. But if I was asking you now for one single piece of advice, that, that rule to live my life by, what would it be? The one that, that transcends all the other ones. Um, if it was just one, what would it be, Neil? Oh, just one. I, w- I want to give her lots and lots of. Well, you can, you of can give lots and lots. I'll let you off if you want to come up with <laughs> lots and lots. You can, but uh, two or three. I don't know, but but yeah. one main one. Yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, for me as a father, I just wanted to be happy. I wanted to be healthy, um, and I wanted to follow her dreams and have that passion, that focus to really want to go and achieve something for herself and be successful in life. And again, if she is to do that, I believe she's going to have to invest in herself to, to do what's best for her and, and when i say invest it's nothing about money it's about being the best that she can be whether that's at school every day whether that's at dance whether that's around her friends whether it's people that she meets because that will really really help her and again i go back to the motto i've mentioned it a couple of times already uh, you know i say to the kids the more they give the more they'll get in life so so be somebody who wants to give to other people but it goes back to my motto which i absolutely love and i've probably said it too many times so i'm going to finish it on this one focus on what you can do and not what you can't do so be the best you can be and really focus on, on what you can do and uh, and then it's up to up to her so up to the children i can't do it for them it's up to them and i hope that um, they can be successful and i can enjoy that journey watching them Fantastic. That's a that's a really good way to end today's podcast. I knew you'd be a great guest. Uh, wasn't disappointed. And I know the very, very many tens of thousands of people from all around the world will feel the same. Um, and I have to say, my perspective of Liverpool Football Club has changed somewhat as a result of speaking to you today. Not completely, but somewhat. <laughs> but uh, so, so thank you. And I do hope that we get the opportunity to have a beer in the near future. We've got lots of mutual friends, so I'm sure we'll make that happen. But for now, Neil Mellor, thank you so much. And and I do encourage everyone listening to connect with Neil. He's a really great guy with some incredible stuff that he's doing. Uh, Check out his keynotes and and make sure you book him if you can. Um, He's a busy boy with all his media work as well. But uh, if you can pin him down, do so. Um, You will not be disappointed. Neil Mellor, thank you very much indeed for being a fabulous Sandro Forte podcast guest. Thank you very much for having me. And thank you to all of us for joining us on the Sandro Forte podcast. For a Liverpoolian, not a bad bloke, huh? Neil Mellor was a really, really super guest with some amazing anecdotes and some takeaways, which I'm sure we can all act on. Remember, every week we've got a new guest, just like Neil, probably not as good as Neil, but who knows, joining us to share their insights into achieving success or overcoming life challenges. Please make sure you subscribe. Make sure you leave those questions up. Hello at sandraspodcast.com and reviews on iTunes. Much appreciated as always. And do connect with me at, at Sandro Forte on Twitter and the real Sandro Forte on Instagram. And maybe somehow we'll all connect with Neil as well. So thank you all once again to listening and to Neil Mellor. Very, very good guest today. Until this time next week, goodbye for now.